Hey everybody, welcome to our uh, our video podcast. I guess it's a video podcast. This is the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. I think we're going to talk about movies and we're probably today going to talk about 1955's The Desperate Hours directed by William Wyler and starring Humphrey Bogart, Frederick March and a cast of other remarkable people. Stay tuned. Talking about cocktails that are stylish, movies great or phony, and how Tony should win, and Matthew, and Matthew should win, and Tony. But in the meantime, talking about film in the meantime, the Arkin Brothers talk about movies. Hello there. How are you, sir? I don't know where they found that photograph from uh, our childhood with me with the gun to your head like that. Um, I don't either. Um, first of all, let's just explain. Audio audio is a little bit off on this uh, on this one because yes. uh, Matthew's remote today. I am remote. I'm uh, hiding in a closet at our brother's house. I'm, I'm our other brother. Right. I'm and, one of our many other brothers. And you have a Soviet-era microphone that used to be used in a submarine. It's just the mic on my Mac. The Mac mic. Uh, this is not a good advertisement for Macintosh uh, products. Well, well, if they want a better advertisement, they got to pay me. I... That's the way it is, that's all. <laughs> yeah, that is the way it is. So uh, we are aware of this, and there's nothing we can do about it. Matthew's, Matthew's uh, on the road. So... I'm on the road, taking care of dogs. We've also had an interruption in our show. We 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 apologize for that. We 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 like to try to do this once a week, and this this last uh, month or so has been very hard to to get that uh, to get that together for both of us. I mean, we we were out of town together. We took we a trip of, together. We were in, oh, that's right. We haven't had a show since Florida. No, we thought we would maybe try to do a live one, but then when you get down there, you realize that there's no room for anything but a beverage after work. And and time in the hot tub before the bed. Yes, yes. Had a lot of hot tub time. Um, and eight thousand very enthusiastic high school students. The Florida Thespian Festival is no joke. They have a lot of very very enthusiastic young people there, um, and they are they exhaust you with their energy within fifteen minutes. Yeah. That the, the day begins. They're great, though. It's, oh, it's, they're it's, great. It's fantastic. But you, you're just not used to being around that much, uh, you know, high school energy. It's incredible. There's more energy crawling with them. <laughs> yeah. There's more energy coming out in one day there than I, than I expend in a year. Yeah, it could power a city. It does power Tampa the whole time it's there. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, um, but we had fun. And it was great to hang out, but we didn't get to do shows or see movies, and that's uh, you know we didn't want to do a cooking show. Show. I think that you and I talking about cooking shows would we should talk about. We should talk about talking about them. We should talk about your fascination with them, but I don't think we should watch them together. Yeah, um, I did. I made an amazing dinner the other night. Now get out there and cook. <laughs> Somebody said that to me the other day. Yeah. Don't dinner now and uh and i made a, a spectacular dinner um sauteed a little onion olive oil added a whole bottle of clam juice and about two cups of white wine and reduced all of that down to about three quarters of a cup of liquid so it was very intense clam broth white wine reduction then dumped that over for follow pasta with Two cans of very good Italian tuna packed in olive oil, chopped Kalamata olives, capers, tossed it around, a little cayenne pepper, threw it in a bowl, a little fresh parsley and freshly grated lemon zest on top of that, a little Parmesan cheese. Mwah! It sounds Most great. It sounds great. And that, for those of you not watching the video but listening on the podcast, that was a shot of Frederick March passionately kissing his wife, which is sort of what I did to that bowl of pasta the other night. That sounds that sounds delicious. It really does. 
Um, some of you may not know this show was originally called uh, The Arkham Brothers Talk About Food and Movies, wasn't yeah. it? And uh, David Gregory wants to know wants to know no anchovies. He's 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 asking no anchovies. Um, David, uh, I thought about putting anchovies in it. Uh, the person who I was cooking for, um, I wasn't sure if she would like the anchovies, so I left them out because I knew it would be good without them. Might have been a little better with them. Uh, but actually, during the dinner, I asked, would you like a little anchovies in this? And the, the response I got was yes. So next time, little anchovies added to that to give it a little more umami. And I'm yeah, sure we, we've lost a lot of our audience now with me talking about the food. Um, between the food and the audio situation, I think we've we've lost everybody. Um, <laughs> so let's get to talking about uh, the, about the the whole show, the reason we're here. The raison uh, is French. Clickety clickety click. I can see it perking. <laughs> yeah. Well, but before we do that, I want to know if you you've been watching anything. Um, anything else? Because there's something to to talk about. I watched. Um, well, our our the third brother, or, yeah. or the the first brother, well, whichever way you want to look at it, um, has uh, has some episodes that he directed of a show called I believe it's called The Night Agent, on Netflix. That's right. And um. He did uh, some some of like the some real action stuff in this that he had to direct and choreograph, and he he did a great job. I actually was just talking to him the other day because he's in New York or he's in Brooklyn, and I was in Brooklyn, and so we, I got to see him, which was really cool. And I got to tell him how much I I, I loved that that work. I thought it was great, so that was cool. Um, is that what you were uh, kind of angling towards? That's what I was angling towards. I thought you know we need to help him out. We all need to help each other. Yeah, no, everybody needs everybody needs uh, uh, you know some help with the old uh, promotional promotional machinery. But I've been watching the show. I'm almost done with it, and uh, these episodes really stand out. They're terrific. Uh, they, they really do, as 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 per usual. I, I, he's a he's a he's a terrific director. That, our brother. He knows what he's Three doing. bullets left. Yeah, there you go. That's oh, us. Three bullets. That's us. Three bullets. All right. Now we can get to the movie. I've covered everything going on in my life other than... Yes. So today we're life. talking about the Desperate Hours. Um, we, were, we were starting this uh, very elaborate uh, home invasion string of movies. And um, it's a very deep well. There's a lot of them. And some of them are are pretty rough. Like, I wouldn't... Rec I wouldn't It'd be hard to like recommend to some viewers some of the ones I know about that are just a hard set. This is a gentler one, maybe. This is one you. This is a home invasion movie. I guess you could almost see with your grandparents. Yeah, I think. But our that's, probably saw it. Yeah, um, but you could see that with them. That you know, you could watch it with them, and that wouldn't be it. Wouldn't be too much because it's like a family-friendly home invasion movie. If you can imagine such a thing yeah although there are a couple of things in it that for the time surprised me a little yes i'm not i don't disparage it i'm not i'm really i'm just kind of gently poking fun at the at the idea of a movie that is so you know it's 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 a really great movie in the sense that it's not really a home invasion movie i mean it's 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 about a lot of other things and it's it's kind of using the noir stuff to its advantage, but it's really not about gangsters or any of that. It's 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 got other stuff on its mind. Yeah. So if we should give a little a little setup for the movie, tell folks what it's about. Here. Uh, sure. Do you want to do you want to encapsulate sure. it, or do you want um, me to? Uh, Frederick March is a uh, a an upper middle management executive, I guess, or an executive at a company has a lovely family. Uh, you know, of the 50s style. In fact, the, the home that they are in is the home that was used in the the, the exteriors for Leave it to Beaver. So that tells you everything you need to know about the home and the town that they live in, in Indianapolis, suburbs. Beautiful home, wife, 
older daughter, younger son, perfect American family, Humphrey Bogart and his younger brother and some complete nut job break out of prison Who and come back. All right. They come back to this town because uh, that's where they were arrested and there was a, a deputy sheriff in that town who, who broke uh, Bogie's jaw when he was arrested and Bogie is going to set him straight after they've escaped and uh, they need to hide out in a house until Bogie's girlfriend shows up with some dough so they can make they can they can settle the score with the deputy and then make make off. So they gotta hide out in this house until the mall gets there. And uh, hilarious hijinks ensue. Yeah, they 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 are not that hilarious though. The hijinks. No, not at all. They're grim. It's a grim. It's a grim tale. Um, yeah. So did we like this movie? Well, have you uh, have you seen it before? What was your what's your what's your relationship? What's your former? Have you ever seen this film before, Mr. Arkin? I never saw this movie before. I I'd heard the title, didn't know anything like it. Okay. Didn't know anything about it. I mean, until we until we saw the the remake of this movie, uh, with Anthony Hopkins and and. I never saw that. Mickey Rourke. Didn't we watch that for the show? No. We didn't? No, we didn't. Were we going to, and then I watched it, and you didn't? Maybe. Don't tell me to take it easy. Yeah. No, we didn't. I never saw the other one. I'm really confused. I'm... Somebody's going to get wise. Not me. I'm not. I've apparently wisdom has left the building. I, I, I thought that we. I'm crushed. The home invasion series, because we stopped. We watched the the Mickey Rourke and Anthony Hopkins no. version of it, directed by no, Michael Cimino. No, you mentioned that we started the home invasion series with uh, with suddenly. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right, so I'd seen so that's what happened. Thanks for for clarifying. I had I had rewatched the remake Desperate Hours. It got me thinking about home invasion movies and then we did Suddenly First and then we yeah. did the original one of this and we did not cover the remake. Thank you. Clarified. Yeah. Understood. Woo. I feel better. So, uh you came to this completely uh completely free of any prior entanglements. Nothing. Knew absolutely nothing about it. Were you how how up? I know you know about your bogey movies, but how up were you on Frederick March? How up were you with William Wyler movies, etc.? Uh, William Wyler, uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, some of his work that I've seen. Um, Roman Holiday, I adore that movie. Love that film. Uh, Wuthering Heights, big fan. How to Steal a Million, we did on this show. Yeah. Um, and this movie, um, at first for me, um, started a little slowly. I, I, I thought it did. Looking back, I don't think it did because what it did, it, I, I, I didn't feel any tension at the beginning. Very much. And then the more the movie went on, the more I got tightly wound into a ball of fear and anxiety and oddly um, compassion which we will get to talking about and 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 then just ripped my terrified me and ripped my heart out at the end mm -hmm. which for a home invasion movie with a bad guy surprised the hell out of me yeah it, it really it really does I, I know enough about William Wyler now at this point to 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 not be that surprised by that part of it because he's a real humanist you know I mean he did best years of our lives with Frederick March and that movie is a heart crusher that movie is really powerful still um he always finds kind of a humanist angle on stuff I feel like and so that's a very Wyler thing like to me to examine a little bit more closely like the messy morality of this and and um so that was kind of cool but when i first saw it i didn't know any of that about william wyler and i and i i was like you 
just kind of surprised and too kind of too young for it because my main takeaway the first time I saw it was that it was too slow or that it didn't really it I was I was after the home invasion part right and and I think as as a more uh, old person <laughs> now I identi- well, I, I identify with Frederick March you know bef- now in a way that um, even without kids I still identify with that idea of a decent a decent person confronting with confronted with just completely indecent experiences you know and and uh he he just broke my heart this time interesting because i i really um i identify much more with robert middleton (laughs) well we'll get into casting later but (laughs) easy i said easy you scream and the kid will come home and find you in a pool of blood yeah, I mean, the first half some feels like it lacks the punch of a noir movie that you're expecting, and then the second half shows up and you realize that it's a drama about, like a drama about like fatherhood and and responsibility and and honor and all these other things. It's not really a noir movie, you know, no. um, and that stuff sneaks up on you because it's. I, it's not really a short movie. It, it 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 does kind of take an investment. Yeah. My Wait, name they... is Ralph. R A L P H. That that um that uh mirroring of the story of the father trying to teach the son, or or the son sort of making these decisions about what it means to be a man, you know, even at his tender age of eight or whatever he is. Um, And the father observing that and trying to figure out what he wants to teach his son. And Bogey as the older brother trying to protect and teach his younger brother, that sort of mirrored storyline is crushing. It it Um, really is. It's really, it's really good. You know, as a play first, Right, this this right. thing, um, and there's aspects. I I think they, you know, having seen the Michael Cimino one, I, I think Weiler, you know, does a much better job of adapting this to a movie. It doesn't. It feels claustrophobic for sure, but it doesn't feel stage bound or or stage reliant. You know, like it doesn't feel like you're watching a play. No, because they get out there into the real world. They do, they do, but they also handle that house the way that they shoot it in such a beautiful way. I mean, that's some that's some great, great photography in this movie. Um, Lee Garms, who also, you know, shot things like the original Scarface and Morocco with Marlena Dietrich, Shanghai Express, like early, early 30s, just gorgeous black and white photography. He did such a beautiful job, and Weiler's shooting with like these always with really wide lenses, you know, to capture a lot of action in the foreground and in the background and across the space of the screen. Your relatives in there? <laughs> One of the things that 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 kind of goes against the noir vibe a little bit that is surprising is how much light you have to throw at uh, those sets when you're shooting with that level of depth of field. Uh Because you see those shots in the house where like you'll see in the foreground there are people eating uh, eating, and then in the background there's somebody walking in and out of a back door and then there's something happening in the the middle distance and everybody's in focus. You can see everybody. That kind of photography at that time particularly required just an enormous amount of light. They just had to blast the set with light, which wasn't exactly the noir vibe. But it actually is kind of crazy because that Leave it to Beaver quality exists in this movie, too, like it does in Suddenly. It's like these movies were really trying to explode the the myth of the, the safe suburban home. You know, well, I'm getting attacked from all sides this morning. How safe are we in these in these beautiful little you know right. enclaves? Yeah. Um, I love how they set some of that up too. In love that that safe thing of the the 
in the morning at the beginning with with um, Frederick March leaving for work and the, the the daughter leaving for work with Frederick March and don't talk about your boyfriend with dad. It'll get I may not drive a hot rod like your lawyer friend, but I'll okay. get you there. Yeah, so the mom says to each of them independently, don't talk about the boyfriend, it'll upset her. Don't talk about the boyfriend, it'll upset him. And the son goes off to school. Has he gone off? No, he hasn't left for school. He does. He leaves for school, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and the mom is there, and she gives this look around the neighborhood before she shuts the door. You know, this, oh, look at, look at our neighborhood and look at America, and isn't everything perfect? And then she goes into the house and starts doing her... 50s housewife duties yeah before all hell breaks so we're, we're so set up for everything to go wrong and it's so interesting how they keep using that bicycle that the kid thrown down there on the lawn hey fellas what i say wrong what i say it's one of my favorite moments in the movie it's by the way i love that um that bicycle that's just there, you know, that the kid throws down there and you know is kind of like probably has been told to clean that bike, like put that bike away a hundred times. Yeah. And it's actually weirdly the thing that you feel draws the bad guys to the house because oh. it's in the shot, the POV shot out the window of their car pulling up along the street and they kind of zoom in on that bike yeah. and then pass it. Yeah it kind of psychically ties this moral lesson about becoming a man to this little kid's little mistake. It's really weird. And well, they and they, they, they say it, the bad uh, bogey says, we look for a house with kids. In it. You know? Yeah. They, yeah. They want, because those people will be easier to control. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's really smart. I want, I'm, I really wish I'd, I'd love to see a production of it. I wonder how it works on stage. And I also wonder if the thing that bothered me about the Michael Cimino version from the nineties, uh, actually still kind of, I thought was not perfect in this, but I think it may be a problem maybe with the play in that, I just felt like there was more interesting mileage that they could have gotten out of the, the situation that Bogey was in vis-a-vis -vis, um, middle is it what's the big guy who plays uh, um, was, the, was, the, was the actor uh, Kobish Kobish right I, I I just feel like there was some there there could have been more interesting things made out of the, the issue of, of that of that I told you I can't go out I Did think um Lunatic? Well, a lunatic, it just, it seemed a little, his lunatic, that lunatic character in both these movies feels a little cartoonish. Yeah. And, and I, and I don't think Weiler, I don't, Weiler seems to be kind of like not a very cartoony director. I think it may be a problem with the writing of that character. There's something, he's just there to be a force of chaos, but I wish that they had found more interesting ways to make it so that hum Humphrey Bogart's character had to manage this, this, this group and the family and the pressure, the mounting pressure of that on him, I feel like was a, a bit lost. Yeah. Clickety, clickety. Click. You're off your rocker. Like, you know, the guy, he just, like, kind of decides to take the gun at one point, and Bogey just kind of lets him do it, but there's not enough of a moment of, like, oh, man, I really don't think that I can afford to let this guy have the gun or stop him. It, it's not an, I, I think they could have made more of it, but yeah. then maybe that's just more leaning into the noir stuff, which Weiler wasn't interested in doing. Yeah, I agree. Um, so many uh, incredible details. Uh, in the in the film too, in terms of particular uh, visually how they chose to show certain things, little little details. Like there's a moment during the manhunt when one of the cops is, uh, or I don't know if it's one of the cops or it's, no, I think um, Frederick March gets the newspaper and the newspaper is thrown it out. So they bring the newspaper in, and the way the newspaper is folded, you know, the headline says something about the convicts and cops stymied is what the headline must say but the, the 
newspapers folded so that the headline reads, Convicts Stymie. Um, which is not what the headline says. Right. But it's a message that we get. Right. Is that things are not going according to their plan. Yeah. Yeah, he's... Wilder was so good at putting those details in without without focus. He he really respects the audience. He doesn't over direct anything. There are so many sequences that he really just lays lets happen in a two shot, and he doesn't add inserts or like reinforce things that a lot of other directors seem like nervous about making sure the audience gets. But there's details like you say are really really buried in these shots. They're not over directed, you know. Another one that comes up is is the juxtaposition of the Dewey Martin character, Bogey's younger brother, one of the bad guys, and Gig Young, who's the you know the the ostensible boyfriend, the, the kind of unliked boyfriend. Yeah, the fancy lawyer. Yeah, fancy lawyer, and we are we're expecting the trope of the the young guy who's who's going to be attracted to there. There's is there going to be a rape? Um, there's even bogey. There, there are a couple of comments about having your fun. Not, not exactly that crass, but there's the there's the hint of that. And the younger brother has no intention, and they make it clear no intention of anything inappropriate with with, with the daughter. He wants to be a better person. And then what are you gonna do? Shut up. The first time we see Gay Young when he's picking her up, he's in his fancy convertible. We know something happened that they had an argument about last night, Big Young and the daughter. We don't know what it was, but we can assume the the, the hint is that he pushed too far for something. She's young. Um, and he pulls up in front of her house in his fancy little coupe, and the, the armrest is down between the two seats. And before he goes to get her, he looks at the armrest, and he pulls it up, clearly so that he can pull her closer. And that this idea that Here's the good guy who's who's hell bent on behaving inappropriately, and here's the bad guy who's hell bent on behaving appropriately. Yeah, and they don't, like you say, they don't make a lot of it. It's just, they, it's just yeah, left in there. It, it it's really assured and like um, and and that's what makes the movie about other stuff. That's like why it's really not a thriller. It's not a thriller noir kind of movie. It's clickety clickety click pop. He says clickety click maybe a one too many times. Clickety 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 clickety. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else got that too, yeah. Here's our so, producer. That's, right on top of it. That seemed a little bit dated to me, even then at that time. But yeah. um but yeah. Yeah. Um, another another great little detail is the moment of when the brother where um there's a moment where they, they have this radio in the house. It's established early on. The mom is listening to it as she does her cleaning, getting news. They can get news from it. And then in a fit of anger, Bogey breaks the radio. And shortly thereafter, his brother, who decides to abandon the whole enterprise, his brother is, is killed. And we go from the, the shot of the dead brother on the highway to a shot of the broken radio. That process shot is amazing. What it's we so don't good. See so we well done. See. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. But we go from that shot to the, to a shot of the broken radio. And it's just so eloquently saying, Bogey will not know that this is, we won't hear it on the radio. Yeah. Bogey yeah. won't know that his brother is dead. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's way ahead of you. This movie. Wilder's yeah. really great. He's really yeah. great. Um, it there like it reminds me of like um, he's like a he's a little bit like Stanley Kubrick. He's got a, he's like a warmer, you know, less icy Stanley Kubrick in in yeah. a lot of respects. In incredibly clean lines, incredibly wide angles on on long scenes that are with a lot of emotional complexity, you know, um, and dealing with really heightened things like he is. 
It's yeah. violent. There's it a lot. The, the violence is pretty sudden and crazy. Like, I was noting that the the, chore, the fight choreography in it is fantastic because it's so messy. It doesn't look staged, and it when things break like go crazy between um, Frederick March and Bogey, or between the wife and Bogey, it it looks. It's got that Sam Fuller kind of out of control quality too. Guilty. I mean, she really slaps him there, clearly, and there's just like a great, a great. The violence feels sudden and out of control, and 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 messy. And and well, there's a moment and, that I rewound several times and watched, which is the fight by the couch when the plane gets broken, and, yeah. and they pick that kid. That's not a stunt kid. No, they throw him around. Throw him on the couch. Yeah, upside down, tossed on the couch. I was like, holy. Unless they got Mickey Rooney in for a day <laughs> to double for him, you know. But that but, was, you know, that was uh, that was me and Adam as kids. Yeah, for sure. Each other, you know. Uh, um, that was yeah. great. Yeah, that moment of almost running over, trying him trying to run over the dog. Were they trying to tell us something about his his character with that? That's what I'm saying. That character is the only part of it that feels a little bit pushed, like a little well, bit forced. And and well, I think okay. they could have done something more. He he could have rep, since he represents chaos, right? And the and the raging id, I guess. They could have capitalized on that energy more in this movie, made him more of a threat, more of a loose cannon. But yeah. he seems to be too easily controlled by Bogey when it's when it's when it's helpful for the story, you know. So yeah. it's the only nitpick I have about it. But again, I think that's probably from the play. I, I would imagine that's since it's the same problem it exists. I said in the Jamino version, it's probably in the in the source material too. Um, I mean, he is a disgusting character. He's a scary, disgusting creature for certainly for 1955. They don't mess around with how bad these guys are. Um, do you have a? Uh, well, you know, you were you were talking about Dewey, and uh, it leads into a question about maybe your favorite shots. But there, I think the moment that I knew the movie was operating on an on an unexpected level for me was this was the silent scene where Dewey is by himself and he looks out the window from behind the curtains and he sees that group of teenagers get into their car across the street having fun going to a party and they all like are having fun and they all pile into this car and they zoom off and that Dewey just watching that from inside this cave you know like he's still in this prison um he was really I don't know if it was the actor or what, but that moment really got to me. It really, really felt that dilemma. And it was like great silent movie making there. Really, really poignant and beautifully shot. And, and things like that. There's a couple of moments that are silent and, and tell a huge story. The shot of, um, Logan. And... Logan when his jaw is hurting. And he's just sitting yeah. alone, feeling that where the where where he got hit. Another great uh, cut in it is this is a shot of Bogey in the dark, sitting in the in the dark, pensive, trying to figure everything out, and a match cut to the detective in his office. And it, it's a match cut. They're in the same exact position, and Bogey's in the dark, and the detective's in the light. Yes. Um, and it's just it's great. Um, but the scene where the brothers break up just devastated me. Yeah. When when Dewey when Dewey leaves and Bogey's ability to play a guy who is horrible, and then I mean it's 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 Weiler and Bogey. I mean Bogey is able to pull it off that I was at the end when he makes the decision that he makes and we realize it's going to be suicide by cop. I was sobbing at the end of this movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's an incredible twist, and and really the same. It's the it's the same, almost flip side thing that Frederick March goes through. You, you, he, Frederick. You don't really. I mean, I think Frederick March is is just a brilliant, brilliant, a very undersung actor. Nobody really talks about him or references him much today. Um, he had that. He had a. Maybe people thought he it was a little bit soft because he was always kind of very moral. Seemed like very, you know, moral about the things he'd do or not, which is very admirable. I think. Um, <clears throat> He just seemed like a decent person. I don't even know if he was, but that's what he projected, kind of like Spencer Tracy, you know. Right. Um, he was supposed to play that role, by the way. I didn't know that. Is that true? Wow. He was supposed to play it. He and Bogey apparently were very good friends, but they, but neither of them would speed top billing to the other. Oh, so man. Tracy oh, that drives me crazy. Not well, nice. good. Frederick March stepped in and is brilliant in it. And I think, you know, Similarly, the transformation into somebody who you're like, oh, this guy's a milk toast. I don't think that this guy can handle this situation, literally. To somebody that you're like, oh, this guy, this guy's got it in him. Like he could, <laughs> Frederick March, you 100% believe when he says, I'm going to, if you do anything to these people, I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill you. And you completely believe that he's going to do that. And that's a hell of a transformation too. So they both have this incredible arc where, you know, one of them reveals the fact that they have an inner beast inside them. And the other one reveals this beast reveals that he has like this, this childlike, you know, inability to be without his brother. He, it's just like, it's really, it's really cool. Raise your hands above your head. got to give some credit to because i i don't i doubt this is in the i wonder if it's in the play or not i don't know how it could be um but the fact that frederick march near the end of the movie at the climax decides and this is such great like left-wing screenwriting and movie making right yeah where he's like i'm gonna take the gun I know he's going to find it. He's going to pat me down, but I might need it. I might need a gun. So they offer him a gun to go back in the house. And he's like, uh, okay. He doesn't like guns, but he's going to do it. And then he empties all the bullets out. And he takes the, an empty gun into the house and defeats the enemy with an empty gun. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> That moment of the cook, it's like what? What movie is that? It's from a different movie. Yeah, I love that about this movie. It feels like um, there's so many little moments of joy and funny things outside that house, right? Like that little kid playing football, going like, "What did I do? What did I do?" Like that, and another kid like kicks the bicycle wheel and it makes a noise, and everybody seems to be having this great day outside of this house, and. Yeah. Weiler allows you to see what the family is missing and he doesn't make the mistake that a lot of directors who over direct stuff in my opinion like they're making a dark movie so everything is just miserable but no Weiler's saying like no right outside is a great day with wonderful people who care about each other yeah step inside where's Sheriff Masters in Michigan Michigan <laughs> great moment Great, great character actors. Um, what else did I? There, oh, the quiet and the crickets too. In all of those shots at night, building the tension. That sweet idyllic neighborhood, beautiful. Leave it to Beaver. It was also the house in Marcus Welby. Oh and wow! The, and the crickets and just oh, it just so so. Um, so devastating. Um, yeah, it's de well because and because they show you that the beauty of that of that environment. I guess it's like it. I've never heard this discussion of whether this movie is noir or not, and I I, I don't feel like it's a noir film because because a noir if it was truly a noir movie it, the the entire universe would be corrupt. Right. 
like all of it would like the town with something wrong with the town too like it would the town would have would have asked asked for this somehow you know right. there'd been something wrong with it and with the with the family but that's simply not what's going on here and the fbi guy um ends up being you know fbi guys who with bissell who's spectacular always great and arthur kennedy who's always great Arthur Kennedy and Ray Collins, who shows up at the end as the sheriff, just just spectacular. Um, Burt Mustin is the night watchman. Yeah, um, all these fantastic character actors from the day. Um, the, brilliant you, dudes. People, I've seen these people a billion times every time they come on screen. It's just amazing. But um, the, the cops, by and large, the, the sheriff who shows up at the end is a jerk. Yeah. Um, and that's but, also a very like left wing thing where it's like, no, the system's not all great. You know, they're cops, but uh, some of it's messed up. He's yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, what else? There's just, I, I just, I, I just can't believe how much I ended up being moved by the film. I'm, you know, that's so interesting. I, I got this really strong, like, if. To Kill a Mockingbird was a home invasion movie. This is what it would be. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Um, I do have to, you know, bringing it back around to food, though. I do have to say that that diner, dude. I was. I haven't. Get out there and cook. That's the most beautiful that, diner I've ever seen. That diner that the younger brother goes into on his or when yeah. he's trying to escape. I was like, I. That's that's where I would eat. I wrote I it down. It's the most yeah. beautiful diner in the universe like you and i would be driving down the highway and we would see that diner and we'd go we could have just eaten we might have just eaten oh. and we'd say we're gonna stop and get another dinner right here at this diner that's the diner that you buy with your your like Retirement. all the money from your health insurance life insurance policy like you just you want that diner in your life or oh, excuse me that scene is unbelievably great. The whole scene. Terrible. That scene is incredible. And and the fact that you don't so badly don't want Dewey to shoot anybody at that point makes it that much more impactful. You know, like it's a it's a incredibly well shot little action moment where he shoots that cop from inside the phone booth. Beautifully edited, really, really messed up. Um but also you or by that point are invested in Dewey not doing this you know no, you understand that he does it but you don't want him to do it yeah you want him to get away you want him to be okay uh yeah it's just so good um you know there's another actor I have to mention we're talking about the things that are anachronistic in the movie you know that sort of jump out is not quite Joe Flynn who is the driver of the car that Dewey yes he kidnaps him to get his car was a uh, Mikhail's Navy actor. You know, it's one of those, he's just one of yes. those actors who did like yeah. those kinds of. Yeah. He auditioned, he got the part, you know, what are you going to do? In, in fact, he was the two characters that, that I am going to recast us in yeah. are, I don't know which ones we get, but we're going to audition and one of us will get one of the two hijacked guys. So you're either the handyman or you're Mr. Peepers. Oh, okay. But one of us played. We. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I had Mr. Peepers. I had um, I had uh, I had you as Mr. Peepers. Okay. And and I had me as the night watchman with the, with the envelope of money. That's who has like two fo two two little tiny scenes. Yeah. That yeah. guy's hysterical. Nothing to do. That oh, guy's hysterical. Role where somebody has nothing to do, let's cast Matthew. <laughs> Is he sitting down? Matthew yeah. will do it. Yeah, he's good. I love I, the... Um, I don't want to do the stunt of jumping from the moving truck. No, that's a tough... That's yeah. some rough stuff. Yeah. No that's safety... Uh, no safety... Uh, you don't I, drink your milk, Junior. You ain't gonna grow up to be a big, strong man like Daddy.
great. The kid's great. great. You know who played the roles in the in the play? No. Carl Malden played the dad. Great. And young Paul Newman played the bogey role. Played bogey. Interesting. So they went young. They went young with it on stage. Well, it was yeah, yeah. They well, actually, they went old in the movie. It was a younger yeah. character in the in right, the, right. Then they they went old, and I think this was uh, Bogey's last um, tough guy role. You didn't know what a tough old bird you married, did you? Um. My one, my one quibble about the script actually was her response. I thought it would have been nice if she went, like, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did know. I did know. Screw you. You. Yeah. Um. um what's your double feature with this? I just want to give a nod to my favorite. The scene that I think is probably for me the best scene in the movie okay. is is the scene where. Um, it's right after a bit of action. People have like run out of the house and back in, and they've got Ralphie, the little kid. They've one of them's got him like outside right. the house, and Frederick March doesn't know this, and he's trying to make a phone call. And the wife comes out on the ba- banister overlooking the the living room and says, "Like they've got you know they've got him. They've got Ralphie." And the the shot where he, that's the, the the moment where where he realizes that they've got the kid, and you see the turn that's the moment I think where you see in Frederick March turn into the guy who could who could take all of these these guys out um there's so many things happening in that moment there's so much choreography there's so many different things that different groups of people are doing in the house and outside the house you never lose track of the geography and at that moment it becomes completely noir because it's the one of the only really dark dark shots in the movie he's like spotlighted and has to make this decision about how to handle it now that they've crossed the line oh my god incredible you know talking about Frederick March you can't talk about him without talking about 1959's middle of the night with him and Tim great uh, never saw the movie but I know the play um, Amelia did that play. Really? There was a revival of it that hadn't been done in years, in forever. She did it several years ago. Um, oh. It's a wonderful. I'm sure he, March was great in it. Who played uh, the Frederick March role? I don't remember. Some guy. Some guy. Some guy. Some guy mashing on my wife. I don't want to think about him. Um, do I have anything else? No. Just big notes about how great that diner is that I want to go there so freaking bad. You gotta find that diner. So your double feature, I think the double feature would just be as obvious for me anyway. What's your what's the double feature? Uh, wait until dark. Gotta give a nod to dad. Oh, okay. I love it. Trapped trapped in a small space. That's a, that's a, you know, that's a movie we should do we should do in home invasion month. Um my double bill was in cold blood. Oh, yeah. Which kind of like... I got my guts full of you shiny shoe, down your nose wise guys with white handkerchiefs in their pockets. So great. The funny thing about Old Blood is you you actually, at the end of that movie, don't end up feeling a lot of sympathy for the uh, home invader. I would argue that the... When was the last time you saw it? I was, I think, seven. Yeah, well, that's actually that's actually kind of not true. I mean, the reason I picked it was because you actually you 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 are heartbroken by the fact that these guys do it. It's you actually do really care. You're horrified by what they do, but they also show you that they're people and that their abuse that happened to them made them do you know kind of created these monsters, but that they were. It's it's a very morally dark, complicated movie, and that's kind of why I feel like they're similar. You, you really get you, there's no easy explanations or easy outs. No one's an absolute, complete villain because if you know, you know, Bogey still in this movie did all the horrible things that he did. But once you see that he loves his brother that much, and that he can't live without him, right, and won't control him. You see dimension to him that kind of does break your heart. I'm crushed. 
definitely if you if anybody out there is listening to this and hasn't seen in cold blood and decides to see it tread with caution it is a absolutely terrifying movie much more hard to watch than this is and it's uh it's also a true story and so tread with caution um you don't really want us to drink ourselves to sleep or something do you do you have uh, did you recast it i did recast it um i think uh um It would be uh, in here. You can't look up your recast on IMDb. That they, they wouldn't have it. Uh, no. Okay. So here's my recasting. Um, the dad. You probably you may not know this guy. I would uh, go with uh, an Irish actor. Uh, Scott. Is he Irish or Scottish? I'm gonna get shot for asking that question. Boy, you, this is going great. <laughs> Douglas Henshaw. Um, I don't know who that is. He, he's who's on, that, who's he? A series called Shetland. Uh, British TV series called Shetland. Um, he's Scottish. Those are Scottish. This Shetland Islands, um, I believe. Uh, and he's spectacular. The mom, I wanted to make stronger, so I went with Laura Linney. For the mom and then for the bad guys i decided to switch it up and make it women who have escaped you know a modern remake of this women who have escaped from the prison tony collette as humphrey bogart anna kendrick as the younger sister and rebel wilson as kogosh hello you think I'm? You hate? You hate all of my choices? I'm. I'm trying to. I think that's. I like it. No, I actually like it. And I'm. I'm just trying to digest the. Uh, the Rebel Wilson as Kobish part. And I think in keeping with the fact that that's a part of the movie that never has worked. Why not? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Why not, make... why not make that part of it like you know the wedding crashers and the rest yeah. of it. Desperate hours. Well, I was actually thinking of it more as a way for, uh, you know, she's actually been trying to reinvent herself or has been reinventing herself, maybe successfully, uh, Rebel Wilson. So, so you're doing like heavy duty. You're like thinking about this like an agent. You're actually. <laughs> I was I mean, thinking this is an opportunity for her to show a, a, a new side of herself. Right. It's a brutal oafish murderer yeah yeah there you go i don't know if she's gonna go for that she's actually very uh right then we could go. no questions oh, oh yes sir no questions at all sir let's do a reading if she if she if we if we all feel like it gels and she feels comfortable with the role after table read uh, let's do it <laughs> as you know i recast from the past so yeah. i'm not gonna have rebel wilson I probably have some things that you go, what? But I'd like to recast this movie and make it in like the late 70s. Um, anywhere from like 77 to 80. Uh, so uh, the Frederick March character, I would like to Ronnie Cox to play. I'm going to offer it to Ronnie Cox. Excellent. Uh, Bogey, I'm going to go for Rutger Hauer. Yes, I'm with you. I'd like the wife... Uh, to be played by Joe Beth Williams. Excellent. I'd like the boyfriend to be played by Sean Cassidy. Okay. And the daughter to be played by Brooke Shields. Oh, yeah. And then I'd like Dewey to be played by Jan Michael Vincent. And Kobish to be played by Joe Spinell. And really oh. creep it up. Like really creep it up with these guys. Joe Spinell. Joe Spinell and Jan Michael Vincent, like two, two dudes that can bring some creepiness. Yeah. And then I wanna, I wanna, um, uh, uh, uh cast uh, Sidney Poitier as the as the lead cop. Love it. Love it. You're uh, much. Uh... 
Which no, I have. A, I just have a gimmick because I were cast in the past. I mean, these people aren't. You know, you you you're you're actually taking this as a legit. What would it be like today? And right. I think that's a good angle. I think that's that's great, and we have two yeah. different ways of approaching it. How do you re recommend people watch this movie? Um. How do I recommend it? I don't know. I guess uh, there's only so many ways you can watch a movie. And I, I would say on a on some form of screening, screaming device, some kind of screen. I think you should watch it with somebody who used to be your best friend, but now you can't stand it. <laughs> the house is crawling with them. I wish it were the kind of movie that it's not it's not ex it's not viscerally exciting and William Wyler isn't the kind of like fl flashy director that makes it the kind of movie that you could take a, a younger viewer and be like you don't you haven't seen a lot of black and white movies this would not be a good starter movie yeah no. which no. is too bad because it's fantastic but it it's just not quite uh, um viscerally exciting enough for I think to, to capture like a, a, a somebody who's new to the 50s movies or something no the movie I used with, with with Atticus was Casablanca yeah that's much more engaging for for a person who's not familiar with that stuff like yeah, as a first time thing. I don't want to watch an old black and white movie with those old right. people or watch... clickety click I can or like a real gangster noir movie that's like you know like Raw Deal or or you know Public Enemy, right? Um, even the original Scarface, which the same guy shot, same DP. Can you imagine that? The original wow. Scarface. Wow. Um, but anyway, if you if you uh, if you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend this one. I think this is like just a classic. That's a that's a that's a you know every bit is. Um, Interesting is a movie like High Noon, for instance, but High Noon has always gotten more attention, and I think this is uh, deserving of more classic praise. Right. Classic so, um, so for next week, do you have a home invasion movie we watch for next? Well, our, let's say our next episode, because who knows what the heck is going on in our lives. Well, I'd like to... I'd like... That was just Humphrey Bogart staring into space. Yeah. That's that, that's how I felt. Um, <laughs> we'll try to do it for next week. We're going to try to do every week when as much as possible. If it's not yeah. possible, we won't. But what I'd like to propose is we continue with this vein and do uh, a movie called Lady in a Cage. Okay. <laughs> Which is a, another home invasion movie that that is... Joan Crawford and... And James Conn? James Conn. It's not Joan Crawford. It's a somebody. Um, it's a yeah, it's... A, it's uh, I forget who it is. Um, oh, my gosh. And it's... um. Th this is the crazy version. Olivia of, de Havilland. Yeah, Olivia de Havilland. This movie's crazy. And I can't wait to share it with you. And Elliot says, no, it's a milk spill behind him. Who... who Island shot of bogey. His coat is spilling milk all over his face. I just mean, like the kid, just like the kid did. Just like the kid did. I hadn't caught that. Wow. Hello. Next week, Lady in a Cave. Excellent. All right. Great we to see you. You too. See you next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Talk about movies. 
You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.